Today on CityCast Denver, with Alma Lincoln Park now ensconced as our city's second historic cultural district, me and Bree are talking all things historic preservation. Because we have got to figure out a way to remember our past without tearing each other apart. Today is Friday, August 6th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome to CityCast Denver. It's Friday and we're taking a look back at the news. I'm Paul Caroli and I'm here with our host, Bree Davies. Hi, Paul. Bree, it's your first full week back with us. How are you feeling? <laughs> good. I missed you guys. It's been nice. It's been good to be back and be in the world and paying attention to what's going on in Denver instead of just staring at my baby. Not that I don't love staring at my baby 24-7. It's, 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 a nice, it's nice to be back. Yeah, actually, I was going to start there. I think that's what our listeners want to know more than anything. How How is the baby? How is Montgomery? Montgomery is fantastic. He's he's just great. He's real cute. I Happy, love him. Healthy, hungry. Yep. All the time. Starving. <laughs> he acts like he's starving all the time. He's a big boy. So it's good. He's good. Bree, you went to Lakeside last night. You mentioned that you wanted to tell me about something there. What happened? Oh. It was so cool. So we were leaving. So the CityCast crew, minus Paul, who had some other obligations, uh, went to Lakeside together just as a fun night out to hang out. I'm insanely jealous. I know. We missed you. We really missed you, Paul. Um, And then you didn't get to hear me being annoying and telling everybody about certain things as we walked (laughs) through the park, you know, history and blah, blah, blah. But uh, as we were leaving, a gentleman stopped me and Mm -hmm. said, hey, I love your podcast. You're kidding me. It was very cool. It felt very cool. So I just wanted to give a shout out to our listener, Chris. Thank you so much for saying hi. I appreciate that you you said hey, 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 hey to us and that you listen. That's awesome. I love that. Chris, rock on. Keep doing you. You're 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 the best. Um, Let's get to uh, let's get to our first topic. We're talking uh, the most meaningful story of the week. Uh, So I think for me, I don't know if it's like one story, but this was a week where I thought a lot about historic preservation with the La Alma Lincoln Park vote on Monday night with the city council approving the historic cultural district there. We obviously talked about that on Monday's show. And also last week, Kendra Black, council person Kendra Black, brought back her proposal to raise the bar for landmark status. Just feels like this is bubbling up. You know, obviously it's a conversation we have a lot here in Denver, but let's do it. Let's get into it. Like, Talking about historic preservation, Bree, what what are your thoughts about this right now? Do you feel like there's something that needs to change about the way Denver remembers itself? You know, it's it's interesting. It's as I've so historic preservation is really how I got into city issues. Hmm. Um, when I was a writer for Westward uh, a couple years ago, I did a. Um, cover story on what makes a building historic, like the actual criteria, which has actually since changed since I wrote that story. But it was that doing that research into what we consider historic that got me interested and involved in the civics and policy in our city. And so um, I think we've, you know, we've gone through growing pains. I, I think we're at a better place now. Um, I don't know if we're necessarily feeling a little bit defeated at this point, but there was, you know, there was just this urgency a couple of years ago, which I think happens every couple of decades here where we have this urgency to preserve things because 
let's be honest, this city changes, the built environment of the city changes so quickly in front of our eyes that sometimes it can be really disorienting. Like you drive down or walk down a city block one day and then literally the next week, the entire block has been demolished for something else. So that's where city, where historic preservation fits in. Um, So you said you think we're in a better place now than we were a few years ago. What do you mean by that? I think just mentally as a city, we've, We've gotten accustomed to the fact that this is how we are. We are going to grow and change. Um, I don't know if we're at peace or if we feel defeated about it. But, you know, movements like uh, the move to make La Alma Lincoln Park a uh, historic and cultural district to Mm -hmm. me was a great sign that we are still able to embrace and, and, and save and support some of our our rooted culture what makes us a city you know where Mm. people commune where people gather where people feel connected to um so i I just i do i think we're doing better and and it's led by historic denver which is an extremely pragmatic organization i want to give them credit for that they don't dig their heels in and get into these preservation fights they more help facilitate the conversation and try to come to the best conclusion or solution and that's really admirable to me yeah, letting letting the people of the city itself at the moment in time that we're in decide what's important to them. Like, yeah, as as a student of history, that's that's what I appreciate about it is that it gets to be something that everybody participates in. And so, when historians look back on our moment, they can learn from our choices about what we valued. And you know, that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, and that kind of brings us to this topic, right? The 50 actions for 50 places that Historic Denver that. just revealed. Um, so they, so Historic Denver reached out to the community, to, to anyone could present or share with them. Um, and last spring they said, hey, what, what are some places or things or blocks? I mean, it encompasses a lot of things that you would want to see preserved or are important to you or the community. Mm-hmm. And then they came up with this list of 50 places and things um, c- categorized by a couple different things like that, that could be preserved, um, either as a civic asset, as an arts and entertainment hub. Um, something that applies to uh, is a cultural research or, or I'm sorry, a cultural resource, uh, something that's just iconic architecture here in Denver, um, mm-hmm. former homes of people, all sorts sure. of things. Mm-hmm. How, any Anything jump out at you from the list that they announced? Oh, legacy businesses, too. That's kind of kind of a newer part of the conversation for historic preservation across the country is preserving businesses that are important to people in the community, whether or not they're necessarily housed in a building that is is architecturally significant. So um, I loved that addition to it. Um, El Chapultepec was one of those legacy businesses, Lakeside Amusement Park. One that I found really interesting was Bail Bond Corner at 13th yeah, and Delaware. That one jumped out at me too. I love that. I mean, that's just such a, like a iconic part of that neighborhood is that strip of bail bonds right across from the jail. Yeah, and it's in these old... Um, Victorian there's very small it's like a small row of houses of turn of the last century homes um and it really exemplifies the scale that the neighborhood used to be at versus what it is now because it's surrounded by large buildings and a lot of parking lots that part of the neighborhood is still being sort of developed from the last go around when they knocked down a bunch of of that that size that size and style house and just left it as a parking lot um 
Something that uh, came up briefly when we were talking about the episode we made for Monday about uh, La Alma Lincoln Park that we didn't get to explore as much as we wanted was some of the long-term implications of this sort of historic preservation, this landmark process, maybe some of the negative impacts. And Bree, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, you have experience working on this. You know, it's, it to me, it's the, the crux of the, the, the hard part about preservation is, you know, when our city is changing as quickly as it has been, there's this sort of um, desperation to preserve or save or sort of grab onto every single piece of it that we can still keep. And I identify with that immensely. I really do. But at the same time, there's this balance where we need to um, be honest with ourselves and say, you know what, that lot that that building is on it actually might be better used to build something larger to accommodate more people. Or like, I think we were talking about this earlier this week. So there's this conversation about in one of the old motels on West Colfax. Mm -hmm. So Colfax used to be the main thoroughfare to get in and out of Denver by car. Um, so that's why you see so many motels on both ends of East and West Colfax. Cause it was, everybody was, when you were coming in to visit, you were going to stay at one of these hotels that are, or motels, I'm sorry, that are really built for cars. So they have a lot of, of parking lot space. And, um, there's a nonprofit that runs a how like runs a housing situation out of one of these motels and they've applied to have it demolished so they can build a bigger housing structure. So now there's mm. a conversation, should we save this motel? And to me, we're in a housing crisis, right? We have been for a long time, an affordable housing crisis. I would rather see affordable housing built there for the community than to preserve a building. Um, but it, it's such an individual case-by-case -case basis conversation because, I mean, both of those things are important to me, preserving yeah. our history, but also creating affordable space for our community. Yeah, I mean, that's the debate, right? It's like this constant push-pull of weighing the interests of the people who are in a place now and the people who will be there in the future, many of whom will be those same people. Yeah, building, I mean, building for our future, but also building for right now. Our need is so dire right now. Um, and Are you worried about La Alma Lincoln Park in this way? Like having been anointed the city's second historic cultural district? I, I struggled with this quite a bit because I, I do wonder if this will... Do, something like this can... Like can a, can a historic and cultural district keep it affordable? And it's not affordable over there. Let's be realistic. I think um, Kathy Prieto, who we talked to, said, you know, she owns a house in La Alma Lincoln Park. That was her family's. Um, and she gets letters every day asking to buy her house for half a million, over half a million dollars. And yeah. you know what I mean? So like it's... I, I don't know. I don't... I, I think it's kind of like a wait and see. Like, is this going to matter? Is this going to really help preserve the people in the community because that's something that we can't do with a historic overlay is keep yeah. people in their homes um, but it does open up a conversation about what we do with the space in the and what does the community want and that was something that Kathy really talked about with her daughter Desiree I think in our conversation was the people are so important to this conversation they're not you know is this they're hoping that this kind of uh legislation will preserve preserve the community in some way yeah 
Well, let's look at Five Points for a second. What do you mm. think has been the impact of the historic cultural designation over there? I think there would be a lot of argument to say that it it has not been effective in keeping community in their homes. I don't know if that has to do with the historic um, designation in any capacity, because I think there's a conversation, a bigger conversation about the development of that area, extending light rail down to that neighborhood. That was a big conversation when they extended the light rail through five points. It was supposed to be a way for the community to get around. So it would be a positive change for the community. I think a lot of people saw it as the opposite, where then now development wants to build around that transit and it ended up pushing people out. Where the historic preservation part of that comes in, I'm not I'm not sure. I'd have to actually talk to the community and say, do you feel like this was really effective for you or do you think it did the opposite? Because on face value, it looks like it did the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. And whenever I think about Five Points and the revitalization that we've seen in the last 20 years, I think about Rosenberg's Bagels. I did a story about Rosenberg's a few years ago for changing Denver. And uh, the whole the whole point of it was that the city had put out this call for proposals from businesses hoping to like maintain like the historic character of Welton Street. So businesses would apply. They would ask for money and say, this is what we want to put in here. And then we would like somehow contribute to maintaining this tradition. So Rosenberg's Bagels, famously a New York style Jewish deli, came in and the owner, Josh Pollock, the fir- one of the first things he did was he printed up a bunch of merch for his staff to wear with a slogan, turning five points into, and in place of the number six, he had a six pointed star. And this was, I guess, like very insulting for a lot of people in the community who walked in there and thought, turning five points into no, this is a historically black neighborhood. Like the whole point of this process was to maintain this tradition, this character of the neighborhood. And now the city is supporting a business that is doing the opposite. Man, that even, the Rosenberg's conversation is interesting to me in general. I I did not. Look at it. It's huge. It's everywhere now. I know. And like, it's not, but it's, and what's, what's interesting to me is that it's become a place replacement for the actual story of our Jewish history in the city. Not saying that the business is not allowed to be there and doing well. And like, we don't want businesses to thrive, but like, it's not the bagel deli. It's not the East side kosher deli. It's not, I mean, even Zadie's, which is from the nineties. You know, it's, it's, it's separate from our Jewish identity as a city and the way that it entered the black community um, in Denver was really not great. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly not, ex- that's to me, that's not what you should be saving uh, or it's not, it's not saving anything. It's like, I don't know. It's this, again, it's this balance of bringing new things. Cause that doesn't say that the community didn't want a bagel deli. Who's to sure. say that the community sure. of Five Points didn't want that? But it's how you enter the community, what you say, how you interact with folks, and how you become part of something versus I'm going to become something instead of what it is right now. Yeah, And that's where the tension really lies often. And we saw that the most obvious example was the ink coffee debacle, you know, gentrifying, sure. gentrifying this neighborhood since 2014 or whatever, which was like, who's ever read gentrification in a headline and thought that's a good word. Talk about putting your foot in your mouth. Ugh. 
Oh, it was awful. But it, what it, it did do, it did serve a purpose in a sense. It brought a lot of people from different. It was the first time I saw people from different neighborhoods who have been fighting gentrification coming together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And thanks. I should say before we, <laughs> before <laughs> we move on to, uh, to Josh Pollock and Rosenberg's credit, they have at least at one point contributed to like the Five Points Jazz Festival. They participate in the community in that way. So I don't want, it, I don't want it, this to be all, uh, you know, uh, anti-Rosenberg screed. Agre- I agree. Credit. No, I absolutely agree. And again, um, I, yeah, nothing personal towards them. Um, I think they sometimes we learn our lessons very publicly. Somebody's got to be the lesson. So True. that just happened. True. I've been there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, we've had many requests from listeners for updates on past stories that we've featured on the show. And we hear you. And here's our first one. Bree, the Safe Outdoor Space fight has continued since we featured the new program uh, providing sanctioned camping sites for our unhoused neighbors on the show a few months ago. We had Cole Chandler, who runs the Colorado Village Collaborative on the show, as well as Nathan Adams, the pastor at the church in Park Hill, where uh, the new uh, one of the new Safe Outdoor Spaces is currently operating, um, as well as... David Gordon, someone who is living in one of these safe outdoor spaces. But it's been in the news this week. Bree, what did you see? That there, so the neighborhood itself has really been struggling against itself, essentially. There's there's a group that are really in support of the safe outdoor spaces in their community. And then there's a group that's not. Um, and so, this is Park Hill. Yes, I'm sorry. This is the Park Hill neighborhood. Um, and so there was a... I don't know how to frame this, a legal proceeding about whether or not this space should be permitted? Yeah, some neighbors filed a challenge, an appeal, and this week it went before the Zoning Board of Appeals, our old friends at the Zoning Board of Appeals, which listeners might remember from our story about the the, the young couple who was hoping to build an ADU for their disabled mom in Sunnyside and were denied by this very same board of mayoral appointees. And listeners, I think we are listen, we are working on getting more in depth with what this board is because it's got a lot of power and it seems very anonymous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've heard a lot of complaints, and I was just checking in with the reporter behind that story from Sunnyside this week, and she said that uh, ever since she published her initial reporting about that, she's heard from a ton of people that yeah. they've had similar experiences, not necessarily with bias, but with just arbitrary seeming rulings about what could and could not be built on their property. And I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered there. 100%. Um, so yeah, so with this fight, uh, that 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 p- appeal was denied so that they can go forward with a safe outdoor space, correct, in Park Hill? Yeah, exactly. So what happened was that it's a five-person board and they voted three to two uh, in favor of the appeal but they needed a four vote supermajority for the appeal to carry. So the safe outdoor space does get to stay in Park Hill for now. This is such an interesting fight to me because uh, I live in a community where affordable housing is built all around and in in community. Um, And neighborhoods like Park Hill cannot say the same. Um, They've kept out affordable housing for a long time, Um, whether that was through uh, redlining or 
you know, just um, opportunities like my neighborhood has had to build affordable housing. And what we're seeing is what I hope we see across the city, which is every neighborhood needs to take on what can be considered a challenge of including affordable housing um, in your community. But also, I think it's an opportunity. Um, And this is one component of that affordable housing conversation is the beginnings of supporting folks who are houseless uh, by creating a transitional space um, in a safe outdoor space. Couldn't agree more. I think that is put a good point on it. Uh, Let's move on. Our final segment. We want to give you all some recommendations of stuff to do in Denver this weekend. Some fun stuff that we've been enjoying. Bree, do you have a, a pick for our listeners? Oh, I do. Um, my friend Armando Gennaro is a photographer here in Denver, and he's got an exhibit up called Brick and Soul, and it's at History Colorado. Armando's work uh, is incredible. I think a couple of years ago it would have been considered quote-unquote street photography, but it's it's beyond that. It's a, He captures... Denverites um, in these moments of joy, celebration, um, protest. He 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 mainly works in black and white, but he covers communities that are generally not covered when we talk about Denver. When we we think about what does Denver look like from an outside perspective, we're shown as these mostly white, um, athletic. You know, like it, it's it's just like such a small box that we're put into of what we look like. And Armando's work expands that massively um, from the historic black community in five points to some of my favorite work he's done is documenting the lowrider community. And the lowrider community is truly a community here in Denver. It's not just a group of car enthusiasts, um, but it's a group of people that do community service within their own community, raising money, doing events for their neighborhood. And and he just captures also just the art form of lowrider um, of cars, of of that car culture here in Denver that is so much more than just car culture. So I, I would highly recommend checking out Brick and Soul by Armando Gennaro, his uh, photography exhibit at History Colorado. And you can also support Armando. I think if you just Google Armando Gennaro, you can get his website. You can buy his uh, photographs directly from him, hmm. um, which I always recommend doing because you'd be supporting a, a local artist directly. But uh, yeah, just shout out to Armando and his work. We'll make sure to put a link to that website in our show notes. Yes. And what about you, Paul? What are you recommending? Well, I'm not finished yet, but I've been reading a book that uh, has really, uh, it's got me really excited about the North Side. And I've kind of got a story idea brewing that I haven't brought to the team yet. So, I mean, stay tuned for that, Brie. It's a book called Small Doan by Dick Kreck. Cool. You must be familiar with the Small Down family. Yes, yes, they're they're one of the most, if not well known, Italian families in Denver. Yeah, um, and the book is like fascinating. It it tells the whole history. It's the definitive history by Dick Crack, former Denver Post reporter. I'm about halfway through, so so far I've gotten like the connections between the the Denver Italian mob and the Pueblo Italian mob. And I've got some of the stuff about like this string of uh, mob killings in the 20s and 30s that happened, all connected to moonshine and prohibition, because apparently that's where the small down family like made its name. Um, but one detail that I think might entice listeners, Clyde Smalldown, the big boss man, he went to, uh, to Fort Leavenworth for a couple of years when he was a young man. He took up painting. He was a painter. <laughs> but 
we don't have any of those paintings because the prison like system didn't allow him to sign any of his work. So I love thinking about this fact that somewhere out there, there are 20 or so paintings by the biggest mob boss in the history of Denver that are just completely anonymous and will never be able to see or know what he painted. Oh, that's a bummer. Isn't that great? That would be a great, that would be a great exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know if the small dones are still in Denver? Like, does the family still live here? That's exactly what I want to know. That's my pitch for a story. I want to figure it out. Yeah, I have to say, I don't, I don't know. Well, listeners, stay there. tuned. We might figure yeah. that out. Okay, listeners, we have one final special treat for you. Today, sadly, is Lizzie Goldsmith's last day with us. She was here for the summer, but she's departing. But she's been working on something special that you're going to hear right now. Okay, so this Friday we're going to learn a board game. And it's not just any board game. It's a board game that a uh, local family in Lakewood invented. Cool. So it's the Goki family, family of five. I'm Jeff Goki. I'm Katie Goki. I'm Eve. I'm 10. I'm Jacob. I'm only seven. And not here tonight is Claire, who is 12. And it's very much about um, probability, dice rolls. So it's called Kanush. I started calling Jacob Nush. And now I it like the just name. just turned into <laughs> Kanush. Jacob, do you like having a game named after you? Of course I do. <laughs> this was a pandemic project, is that right? Yeah, yeah. You're locked for months on end with your three <laughs> children, and you're like, what, what is a do? creative outlet? <laughs> we had to play it so many times that we had to account for any possible scenario. How many times do you think you played it? Maybe like 60. hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would say well over 100. So we got four colors, red, blue, green, and yellow. Anybody have any preference? Dibs on yellow. I want to be red. I'll be blue. And okay. Paul is relegated to green. Yeah. Oh, we'll take them. So grab your, yep. I have one of your chips, Paul. There you go. Thank you. Not, not trying to cheat. Okay. So what we're looking at here is a grid of numbers. So it's like a six by six grid. It's all the numbers you can roll with a two, two dice roll. So what we're going to do is go around. Everyone's going to roll the dice and whatever. So I'll just do an example. So I rolled an eight. That means I find an eight on this grid and cover it up with uh, one of my tokens. And so the goal of the game is to get a like line of four of your color. And you can like put your token either on an empty um, like tile or you can kick somebody else off of theirs, which is called knushing them. Knock people off. I like that part. <laughs> I'm gonna knush all of you. And so I, I will add that there are like three different ways to play this game, and this is called lineup. The way we play the most is lineup. Probably recommend lineup yeah. for you to play first. What is the regular length of gameplay, would you say? It takes about 10 minutes, nice. but this is my first time like being a part of a game. So we'll see how it goes. Okay, seven. I'm gonna go right in the middle. Nice. This is great. I love games with a lot of randomness like that. 
Uh, okay, six. You're, you're all going to see how bad I am at adding. <laughs> I was like, eight? Eight. I, I always I'm say. I'm a journalist, okay? I don't need to do math. <laughs> One of my favorite things to say, don't do math in public. I know. It's, it's words to live by. It's so embarrassing. Can I do diagonals? I can do diagonals, mm-hmm. right, Lizzie? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I don't know where to go. I guess I'll start again. Stay out of my territory, Brie. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. Oh, oh yeah, you could have canushed her. Canushed her. <laughs> now we're gonna see how like competitive our coworkers are. Seven. Uh, you gotta um, stop, Paul. Look at he's on his way. Boom. Yeah. Thanks for being so nice I'm to each other. Canush <laughs> you all like. Oh yeah. Crazy. Ooh. And we got three reds in a row. Yeah, we got to take Xander down, guys. Like, has anybody conditioned anybody yet? Like, no, we're being very nice. nice. I thought so about nice. it pretty seriously, but... Just because we don't see each other in person much doesn't mean we can't be ruthless. Oh. <laughs> okay, now Peyton and I... Peyton's a target, too. You guys got to crush Xandra. Four and two is six. <laughs> I think Bree and I just realized at the same time what's happening. Oh, you actually, you can't, you can't go there. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I win. Alexandra wins. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm really good at games. If uh, any of you want to invite me over for a board game night, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Xander McMahon, and Lizzie Goldsmith, who you just heard, our game master. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host, of course. And if you haven't already, you got to subscribe to the show. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars is the correct rating. Tell a friend about us next time you see him. And uh, sign up for our daily newsletter and more at denver.citycast.fm. Bree, do you want to hit him with that sign-off? Oh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I know nobody can I know. I thought about conditioning, but I was like, does it benefit me or is that just mean-spirited? And right. I realized. I mean, I, I would have. I would have if it would have benefited I was playing to win.